With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Chris McPherson inside the Xfinity studio, joined alongside Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. He's back. I made it back. He is back, finally. <laughs> so, home. you know, went to the Shrine Games, Senior Bowl, took some little time off, but now you're back in the swing of things here. Uh, glad to have you back, to well, the very least. When we get to on the clock, we'll see just where I was, because I know you guys had a lot of questions about what I was doing, where Fran left me after the uh, Senior Bowl. So I'll answer, that. I'll answer <laughs> that later in the podcast. How much of a changed man are you? After your experiences with the, the likes of, yes, well, uh, the, well, the weigh-in was pretty interesting, but uh, I feel like we prepped you enough for the weigh-in, though. That you a little bit. Like, you didn't prep me enough for Tony Pauline, but I, I, I tried to. <laughs> but uh, no, the no, the whole experience has has definitely made me a changed man for sure. For so sure. speaking of Tony Pauline, he is our Mister Relevant. We will hear from him and get the latest draft buzz later on from him in the podcast. So for those of you who have subscribed, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, thank you very much for your support. Make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear later on down the road. We are going to get to your questions in our draft mailbag. Our pick six, in light of Von Miller being named the Super Bowl MVP, is who are the six best edge rushers? Maybe we're not going to say the best edge rushers, but the six edge rushers we want to spotlight. Sure. So we're going to select six in this upcoming draft. And then we also are going to get to the latest news and nuggets out there in Draft Buzz. In fact, we're going to start things off with that, so let's get right into it. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, to get things started here in Draft Buzz, ESPN's Am Schefter reported on Tuesday that the Titans, who have the number one overall pick, if they stand pat, and that seemed to be the caveat here, will take Laramie Tunsil, the tackle from Ole Miss, with the number one overall selection, giving Marcus Mariota that protection that he needs. As they should. I mean, I've said it all, all along, he's the number one player in the draft. Uh, a, a tackle like that I haven't seen. I think he's the best offensive lineman I've watched in the last few years. Uh, seeing a guy that, that that's that athletic, that big, that technically sound, it's not something you see every day. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. When you told me that he was the best tackle you'd watched in years, I found that really surprising because you watched everybody. But uh, obviously a, a huge talent, uh, a guy that you really – you can't skip if he's there. Um, like you said, C-Mac, you can kind of surround Marcus Mariota with Taylor Lewan and Tunsil, and, and hopefully you're kind of set on your two tackle spots there. But um, really interested to see where Tunsil goes. Now, Schefter, I don't know if he's trying to help drum up interest for the Titans, but goes, well, there are some options that Tennessee will have to trade down with the likes of Cleveland, who's number two, San Diego, Dallas, San Francisco also mentioned as well. So who could Chip Kelly be looking to possibly get with that number one overall pick. A couple of Oregon players in the draft. Four you never know. Special potential top ten picks. So yeah, they just took Armstead last year. Maybe they would put Buckner and Armstead back together. There you go. There you go. Like old times. And band back together. All right, let's go uh, through some mock drafts here. Yes. I'll go through yes. the Pro Football Focus mock draft, which was an interesting Very exercise. Interesting I give them credit because it's different names. They go by their grades. Yes, they go by the grades, yep. and you know, you're not going to see some of the same names or a couple of names that we looked at and we said, you haven't seen them right. put into that category. It doesn't mean that they're not going to end up being a first-round selection. It's just the consensus among all the draft picks is these guys aren't in that spot right now. But for the Eagles at number 13, and this is a player whom when I first read it, Alex and I had the same reaction – if he's there, we're running to the podium with the pick, and that's yeah. Miles Jack. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, you, you'd have to. To me, and a lot of people will say this, he's one of the top two or three best players in the entire draft. And you have a linebacker that can play in coverage the way that he can. He's not going to be a guy that's going to lead your team in tackles. He's not going to be a guy that's going to lead your team in sacks. But the impact that he has in the game, being able to play sideline to sideline, what he can do from a coverage standpoint, uh, that would be a very, very attractive option. I mean, look, do the Eagles have more pressing needs at other positions? Sure. You could say maybe quarterback, depending on what happens with Sam Bradford, Certainly. maybe the offensive line. But if Miles Jack is there, this guy's a top five, top five overall talent. So, and we've talked before on our other podcasts that you need linebacker depth if you're yeah. the Eagles right now. So if you take him, I don't know if he's better suited for strong side, weak side, whatever it is. 
he's just you know a freak athlete that you really want on your defense. He's a playmaker. You right. want playmakers on the defensive side of the football. Just watch the Super Bowl. Talked about Von Miller and Demarcus Ware wreaking havoc on a Carolina offense, which had been so dominant, number one in points throughout the course of the year. Cam Newton getting knocked around. You want guys who can make a difference on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Dane Brugler, our good friend from CBS, now he goes the quarterback route and has Paxton Lynch yep. going to the Eagles at number 13. You know, that's going to be the big thing is, depending on what happens with Sam Bradford, will the Eagles almost be forced to address the quarterback situation with that number 13 pick because they don't have a second-round selection? Yeah, I think with all of these quarterbacks, and part of it that uh, I think kind of goes under the radar with all three of them, is that they all have pretty good movement skills. They both, all three guys, I think have a certain level of athleticism that I think would fit well with what Doug Peterson did in Kansas City, with what Frank Reich also did in San Diego with the pistol sets and some of the zone read elements. I think that Paxton Lynch certainly brings the athleticism. We know about the arm strength, the touchdown field. Uh, it was a little bit up and down, especially in the back half of the season. It was more down than up, honestly. Uh, but Lynch is a very, very intriguing prospect. Well, I know you've had, you had the chance to watch him in person when they came here to play Temple, yeah. so you've seen him more than I have. Obviously, we saw Carson Wentz down uh, in Mobile. But I don't know how big the gap is between those two because if you go back a couple of weeks ago, everybody was saying that Paxton Lynch was going to be the first quarterback off the board. He was the guy who was going to go number two or number three or wherever you want to say. Yeah. Um, but So I don't really know how big that gap is between those two players. So if the Eagles are looking to draft a quarterback and Sam Bradford isn't coming back, I'd be very happy with uh, Paxton Lynch. I mean, Lynch is bigger. He's more athletic, and he's got a stronger arm. So, I mean, if you're depending on what, and obviously there are lots of other traits that go into it, uh, and I think that Wentz certainly has more in terms of a decision-making aspect, probably a little bit more accurate than Lynch is as well. But there are certain traits where Lynch is far and away a better and more intriguing high upside prospect. What is good about this year's NFL Scouting Combine, our coverage begins in just a couple of weeks, that Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch, and Jared Goff projected to be the top three quarterbacks. We don't know the order but they will all throw at the combine, which typically one of the top guys typically says, eh, you know what, I don't need have anything to prove. I'm not going to show up there. It's good to see all three of these guys be willing to compete. Yeah, and that's, that's the big thing, especially all three of those guys. Well, Wentz was at the Senior Bowl, but you didn't see Goff. You didn't see uh, Paxton Lynch. You didn't see Connor Cook. Yep. You, know, you didn't see Christian Hackenberg. So being able to see all these guys throw on an even playing field with receivers that they don't have any relationships with, I think will be very good for everybody. I'm excited to see all of them throw. Interesting about Carson Wentz, our friend Lance Zierlein from NFL.com said that a personnel executive told him that Wentz is way overrated and there's no way he would spend a first-round pick on him. So... That's, really? how, that's that's how a year. It's a smoke screen. Like, you don't know. It's tactics to get, you know, yeah. so that your team has a chance to draft them. It could be. Who knows? It's but. fun in that regard. But really, 31 teams may not like a guy. If one does, that's all it takes. Just takes the one. I think teams are going to like Carson Wentz. I like Carson Wentz. You like Carson Wentz. I do like Carson Wentz. Of course. Uh, Eagles in the offensive line. It's going to be a big thing that needs to be addressed this offseason, whether it's free agency, the draft. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network said that Alabama center Ryan Kelly is one of the best interior offensive line prospects in the last five years. He is all pro talent. And I just think it's interesting because his name really hasn't come up where in previous years where if you had the standout guy, the Chance Warmack, Jonathan Cooper, those guys who were like those bona fide top ten selections, you heard a lot of buzz about them early in the process. This is really the first time that I'm hearing anything about Kelly. Well, he was one of the guys who declined the Senior Bowl, right? One of three guys. And there were only three guys this year declined a Senior Bowl invite without an injury, without any other kind of excuse, just straight up said, you know, thanks but no thanks. Right. Uh, and Kelly was one of them. And he had played a 15-game schedule. Obviously, they won the national title. He's a, as an offensive lineman who's getting hit, play in, play out, wanted to take that week off. But uh, I think that Kelly, and I haven't studied him yet, so I'm excited to get, dig, into, dig deeper into him. Uh, certainly is getting a lot of accolades. Yeah, the Jeff Stoutland connection yeah, might come into uh, play there for the Eagles. Sure. So certainly he'll know exactly what Kelly brings to the table. Uh, do you guys want to do a little four-round mock draft? We had Jimmy Kemp. Four Kemsky. rounds. Four rounds. Four it's, rounds. Not, it's not Jimmy Kemsky seven-round special right. like it did on last week's edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. But Chad, four rounds. Chad Reuter, NFL.com. Chad, sure. So he did the entire league for four rounds. So. Give him his props for that. Kemsky only had to focus on the Eagles' nine picks. So we'll go through who Chad selected for the Eagles. And at number 13, A. Sean Robinson ah. of Alabama. Keep feeding the beast that is the Eagles' defensive line. I don't, does that make a lot of sense to you, Fran? 
Because he's more of an interior defensive line. He would be, yeah, he would play inside with Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan. And I, under, I understand the whole, you know, you take the best player available. If, if he's the guy, if he's your 13th best player in the draft and he's still on the board or he's higher than that, then sure, you take him. But to draft a, a depth player at number 13, and I know we talked about Miles Jack maybe being a, a depth player, but um, I don't know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, Robinson is a physical marvel. You know, his size, the athleticism that guy has, and he's so skilled at defending the run right now. He uses his hands really well, is able to anchor down at the point of attack. He's not there yet with his hands as a pass rusher, but with his athletic traits, I think that there's a lot of upside there. A lot of people are very, very high on Robinson. I know that uh, one of the, someone at NFL.com has him as the number one defensive lineman in the entire country. Really? Uh, so we'll see. I, I think Robinson's a great player. I'm excited to watch him in Indy. All right, the two third-round picks. The Eagles select a quarterback. Christian Hackenberg. Oh, oh. look at that smile. We can just leave. That's it. I'm out. I, look, I mean, Hackenberg, I'll be very, very intrigued to see where he ends up. We talked about it last week mm-hmm. you know, with all the buzz that uh, Tony Pauline dropped in his draft buzz piece was uh, that he was not – He from the people that he talked to, he would be surprised if he fell out of the top 75. So, you know, I, I think he shows great uh, pro-style traits in terms of working in the pocket and throwing with anticipation. And I'll be very, very excited to watch him throw. So for the fans who want offensive line help, Landon Turner, the North Carolina guard, is the second third-round selection. And then J. Ron Curse, who is the nephew of Javon Curse of Clemson, which is where Brian Dawkins, a certain safety, played, you know, once upon a time, uh, the team selection in the fourth round. I mean, he's the nephew of Javon Curse, and he's a safety from Clemson. Fans will love him right away. He's a big hitter. Uh, and at that size, I mean, he's listed 6'5", 215. I mean, yeah. safeties don't come that size. Uh, I, I'll be interested to see. I don't know if he's a safety or a linebacker yet. I'll, I'll be interested to watch more of him, but uh, certainly a very intriguing player. A lot of people were giving him first-round buzz just a couple months ago, and I think that's tapered off a bit. Last one here, Ezekiel Elliott, the talented running back from Ohio State, said that his preferred destination is the right. Dallas Cowboys. Well, well there's yeah. a reason for that. I mean, obviously, he wants to go top five, sure. and he wants to play behind that offensive line. Yeah. And he said, and he cited that behind that great offensive line, I believe was his exact quote. Sure. Yeah, so, so, but hey, it's his prerogative. So, if he, if he wants to run up against Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan twice a year, that's yeah. all right. And possibly Ashawn Robinson yeah, as go. well there in the mix. So, add a little spice to the rivalry, so to speak. So, that's going to do it for this edition of Draft Buzz. Now, it's time to bring in our good friend Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net. He is this week's Mr. Relevant, and he's going to talk about his Draft Buzz column. They write right here for our website, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. It's time for Mr. Relevant. The Mr. Relevant on this week's edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA is our good friend Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net. And Tony, you've done a phenomenal job with your Draft Buzz column for us the past couple of weeks. It's a must-read every Monday morning on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You know, Tony is one of the best draft insiders in the business, and he's giving you the gossip, exclusive gossip, that he's not giving to anyone else. He's sharing it with you fans on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And one of the players you talked about in this week's column was Noah Spence and how he's going to handle his off-the-field concerns coming up at the Combine and when he meets with teams down the road. What's the playbook? How is he going to be able to address teams in terms of what happened in his past? Well, from what I'm, what I'm told, he's basically going to be an open book. He's going to take, the Mar- take a page from the Marcus Peters game plan. He's not going to turn down any interviews. He's not going to turn down any visits that teams want to bring him in. And he's going to be very open and honest about the situation and try and tell teams, say, hey, listen, the past is in the past, and, you know, that's not me anymore, and, you know, that's all done with, and let's just move forward with it. Now, it worked well for Marcus Peters, who uh, ended up in the bottom third of round one. I don't think Noah Spence is going to go that high, but it worked well for uh, Marcus Peters. And as I said in the column, ironically, Marcus, uh, Noah Spence has the same agent or same representation uh, this year as Marcus Peters did last year. So it worked well for Marcus Peters. Uh, I think Noah Spence, you know, he hit some troubled times. Uh, early in his college career, as many people have done. He's a very talented player. It's just a matter of making the teams believe that he's over that, that that was done and that's done, uh, that's gone in the past. And he's just going to basically do what people, you know, what players should do. He's going to be honest about it and, and basically answer all their questions. Tony, I, I know another player that we're really interested in hearing about that also had some off-the-field issues in the SEC 
Demarcus Robinson, the wide receiver from Florida. What have you heard about Robinson? I know talent-wise, there's a lot there to like. What are you hearing about what teams feel about him off the field? Yeah, a lot of uh, troubled individual off the field. In fact, in the lead-up before he finally uh, declared for the draft, I was told that Florida was basically pushing him out of the door and did not want him to return. So there's basically a couple different things going on there. He's going to have to answer to all the off-the-field issues, and he's basically going to have to hope that the Florida coaching staff doesn't throw him under the bus. Because if they give him bad reviews uh, to NFL scouts or general managers who pick up the phone and call the Gator coaching staff, that's really going to hurt him. I mean, when you look at him on film, he grades out as a second-day pick, mid-round choice. But I think the -the off-the-field issues are going to push him from what I'm hearing deep into the last day of the draft you never know. I, I mean, there, there's, teams always want the, the nice-sized uh, receivers who, who can stretch the field, and he has that skill. Uh, but it, it, a lot will depend on what the uh, Gator coaching staff says if teams reach out to them. And then another receiver in the SEC that I think a lot of people are very interested in hearing about is Auburn wideout Duke Williams. What have you heard about Williams lately? I know that he got suspended, thrown off the team, actually, by the Tigers in the middle of the season. What's the latest on Duke Williams? He wasn't at the senior ball. What are teams saying about him at this point? Yeah, and here's a guy who came into the season ranked as the number one senior receiver, or I should say one of the top senior receivers uh, by NFL scouts. I mean, it's kind of a double whammy for him because he's got off-the-field issues, he's got disciplinary issues, and then when you talk to teams, they watch the film, I mean, basically he looks like a world beater on one play then looks like an egg beater on the next play. He's a very streaky receiver, and it's as much the drops or the, the passes that he should catch on the field that he doesn't that concerns them just as much. Uh, I think, like Robinson, he's the guy who's going to fall until the last day of the draft. I would expect him, if he works out the combine, to blow up the combine. Everyone's going to be talking about this guy who's you know, 6'3 and change, 230-plus pounds, uh, you know, runs in the 4'4s, uh, jumps through the roof. Uh, he's going to turn in an Olympian-type workout, but he's very unpolished as a football player very unpolished as a person off the field. Tony, switching things up a little bit here, let's move to the offensive line. Jack Conklin, offensive lineman from Michigan State. Uh, We saw Jack Allen down at the Senior Bowl, but what's the ceiling for Conklin right now? I think it's the bottom third of round one. I think a couple things with Conklin. It is a stacked offensive tackle class. I mean, right now you're looking at potentially uh, six to seven offensive tackles going in round one. The big thing for Conklin is do teams feel he can play the left tackle spot in the NFL on Sunday, which is what he played at Michigan State. From what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, he's more of a right tackle type prospect, which is going to suppress his draft stock uh, a bit, as opposed to, say, guys like Jason Spriggs of uh, Indiana, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, who looks like a great left tackle. And, you know, left tackles hold a higher priority on draft day. So I think right now with Conklin, I don't know. I don't think he's going to break into the top 20. I think you're looking at a bottom third of round one type of guy. Tony, look at the linebacker position. It's something that the Eagles are going to have to address at some point from a depth standpoint. Jalen Smith, ultra-talented linebacker of Notre Dame, had the horrific knee injury to end his college career. Where are you hearing that he might go? It seemed like that he was a definite top 10 pick before the injury. Is that still a possibility, or is he going to fall? somewhere later in the first round or maybe out of the first round altogether? Yeah, he, was a top, he wasn't a top ten pick. He was a top five pick. I mean, a lot of people graded him as the, as the top athlete in the draft before he even declared. We're not going to know until after combine medicals, and that's assuming that he undergoes the medicals at the combine. When I was at the senior bowl, I spoke with his people, and they, they told me that they're hopeful it'll be a situation like Cedric Boyer uh, who the uh, Bengals drafted last year, who finished the season you know, with the knee injury, had knee surgery, came back in November. Uh, I got the sense that that's a little bit hopeful. I mean, you know, Jalen Smith's uh, injury occurred on New Year's Day. We're hearing that it was a really bad injury. Uh, I would be surprised if he's a top 15 pick. But then again, you're not going to know until he undergoes the rigorous medical exams at the combine or later during a pro, during a pro day workout. Uh, that will be the, the uh, tell-all because... You know, teams look at the medicals differently. They're not just looking at the injury now. They're looking at, is there anything that could be degenerative down the road that, you know, maybe he's a two- or three-year player, he's a one-contract player, which will suppress his draft stock. I, I'd be shocked if he's a top-15 player on film. He's a top-five player, but we just don't know. I've not heard anything about the knee injury yet because no one's really examined him except his own people. 
Tony, there's two edge rushers that I think are very, very intriguing from the junior class, and you and I have spoken a lot about them, and that's Kevin Dodd from Clemson and then Leonard Floyd from Georgia, two guys that I don't think a lot of fans are talking enough about right now. What are you hearing about both those guys, and in your opinion right now, whose stock is higher? Who, who do you think gets drafted first of those two names? Yeah, both are explosive. I, I mean, I'm a Leonard Floyd guy. I've always been. Uh, he's a productive player for three years. He's a guy who's not just not only explosive up the field, but can play in space. You know, you need him to play over the linebacker. He can drop in the space. He can play, uh, make plays in coverage. Dodd is also very athletic, uh, but he's more of an up-the-field guy, and that's basically because that's the way Clemson used him. Yes, he can make plays in lateral pursuit, uh, but I don't think he's as good in space as Leonard Floyd. The problem with Floyd, though, is you know, he, he's, he is his motor. I mean, he turns it on and off when he wants to. There was some uh, talk that he was going to enter the 2015 draft. He played like gangbusters the first half of 2014, and then he disappeared the second half of the season. That is a big concern as far as NFL teams are concerned. I mean, if Leonard Floyd played up to his potential, we're probably talking about him as a top-12 pick, but he kind of turned it on and off. I, I think that Floyd is going to go earlier than uh, uh, Dodd. I think he's going to go several slots earlier than Dodd. It's just a matter of lighting a fire underneath him, really, because he's a complete three-down player, not only very good up the field, as you said, an edge rusher, but a guy that can be used in space. Tony, how about TCU quarterback Trevon Boykin? He was a guy we did not see down in Mobile. And I think reports were out that they wanted him to play wide receiver, so he declined the invite. Uh, where's Boykin at right now in this whole process? Yeah, and teams were very disappointed uh, the, by the fact that he did not come to the senior ball and play, uh, play receiver. Boykin has been invited to the combine as a quarterback, as a full-fledged quarterback. And what I mean is he's not going to be a practice quarterback uh, that's going to be thrown to the tight ends on uh, Thursday and thrown to the defensive backs on Monday. He's just going to work out with the quarterbacks on Saturday with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and all the other guys. I've been told that in his combine training, he's also doing some receiver work. He's running patterns. He's catching the ball. But he's not going to uh, run any routes or patterns at the combine or his pro day. He's going to wait till when receiver coaches come in and work out uh, Josh Dotson and Colby Listenby, two highly rated prospects. Obviously, Dotson, a, a second-round pick. Uh, Cody Listenby, a guy who's going to go in the middle round. When the, when the individual receiver coaches come in and work them out, either before or after the TCU Pro Day, that is when Boykin's going to do his receiver work. I think it's a bit of a risk. You watch the guy on film. Uh, he, he's got tremendous quickness. He's got Antoine Randall-L-type skills when the ball's in his hands. You know, he, I was told that he wants to be an NFL quarterback, but he's going to do whatever is necessary to play on Sundays, and that means a transition to receiver, which, is, uh, which makes the fact that, you know, he didn't go to the senior ball, he didn't play receiver, he didn't show skills uh, as a punt returner, all things that Randall L, or Antoine Randall L did so incredibly well about eight years ago, uh, makes that decision kind of befuddling. It's going to be a risk that if he, doesn't, if he decides not to uh, catch the ball, run receiver routes, at the combine or pro day, and just waits to when the coaches come in to uh, work out Dotson and Listenby, uh, could fall out of the draft and then have to make it as a free agent. Tony, do you think that Boykin will get drafted as a quarterback by a team, or does he have to make the transition to wide receiver at some point in order to make it in the NFL? I'd be shocked if he gets drafted as a quarterback. I mean, you watch the film. Yes, he's got the athleticism. He's got the arm. He's short. You know, his passes are all over the place. You know, Josh Dotson made a lot of highlight reel films, not because he was catching the ball in stride, but because he was leaving his feet, he was twisted like a pretzel, and he was pulling the ball out of the air because Boykin was throwing his, was spraying his passes all over the place. He's just not a very accurate thrower as far as pass placement is concerned. Uh, I would be shocked that, he, if, that a team is going to take a, a flyer on him in a lay around as a quarterback. They may announce him as a quarterback, but I think ultimately they're going to draft him as not only a receiver but a potential punt returner. Now, will the off-the-field consideration, will that impact his draft stock as well? No, I don't. You know, unless something more comes out of it, I really don't think that's going to hurt him all that much. It seems to be a one-off incident. I mean, for the most part, Boykin is known as a high-character guy. He's a likable guy. Uh, you know, unless there's more to it, I think it was just a one-off type incident. Tony Pauline, again, read his draft buzz column on PhiladelphiaEagles.com each and every Monday morning, dropping plenty of nuggets about the upcoming NFL Draft, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Tony Pauline. Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net, thank you very much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA.
Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, it's time for Pick 6, where this week we'll select, I don't know if we're going to say the best edge rushers, but six prominent edge rushers in this year's draft class in honor of Von Miller, the Super Bowl MVP. He and DeMarcus Ware were an absolute terror in getting after Cam Newton in the Super Bowl back on Sunday night. So I'm going to start things off, and I'll take the easy road out. Ohio State's Joey Bosa, not as productive as he was in his brilliant 2014 campaign, but still good enough to be named the Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year because that's how respected he is by the coaches. Every offensive game plan revolves around stopping him and trying to find a way to contain him. He's going to thrive at the next level. I don't know if he's going to be you know, one of the truly elite pass rushers, and I think that's the one thing about this class overall is there are a lot of good players, but if you're looking for that Von Miller type player. I don't think he's in this draft class, but still, Bosa can set the edge. He knows how to get after the quarterback. He's been productive, you know, even if the numbers don't quite show it. Still, I'll go with Joey Bosa there. Certainly is going to go in the top five, you know, possibly could go high as number two, possibly, depending on, could go number one even, even though we had the report earlier from Schefter that Tunsil will be the number one pick, but maybe someone wants to get to number one for Bosa. Yeah, and Bosa, I mean, he's, He's ridiculous. And I watched him again last week, and a guy that uh, he actually compared himself. He did an interview, I think it was with NFL.com or with okay. CBS, compared himself to Tom Bahali, which I thought was an interesting comparison. Both yes. played for Larry Johnson, who was the defensive line coach at Penn State, ended up at Ohio State. Uh, so they both played for the same coach. And very interesting guy because he can win outside, he can win inside. The fact that he uses his hands as well as he does, both rushing the passer and defending the run, I mean, he's just so advanced, and he attacks tackles a number of different ways. He can counter once he's initially blocked. He's an outstanding prospect. So uh, I like that, number one. Number two, I went with, a, I went with two underclassmen that, uh, that I didn't get a chance to watch until, this, until recently. So okay. the first one is Kamali Correa from Boise State, and he's 6'3", 244 pounds. Really athletic kid, has got light feet, has a good burst off the line of scrimmage. I think he's got very high upside as a pass rusher, and he wins with that foot speed. He still has to improve in terms of using his hands and, and learning on how to attack tackles. Just talked about that with Bo, so he's not quite there yet. But I think he's got a high upside in terms of if he can learn how to use his hands, I think he'll be a very effective starting uh, outside linebacker. So that's why I didn't want to say the six best pass rushers or maybe the first six to be drafted because, you know, I'll take the low-hanging fruit and then Fran's going to, you know, uncover a gem or two. is an intriguing player. He's a very intriguing player. All right, Alex. Well, uh, C-Mac, you went in the Big Ten with Joey Bosa. I'm going to stick in the Big Ten, and I'm going to go with Shalik Calhoun from Michigan State. He was a guy that Fran and I actually had a chance to watch the tape together. Uh, a very informative period for me, I must say. I learned, I learned Fran way, Fran's ways of breaking down the tape. It's a um, <laughs> But um, just a guy who has a variety of different moves. He, he can counter the blocks. Um, he's not kind of a one-trick pony where he can only do one thing. Um, he's always around the ball, high-motor guy. Even when the play is not to his side, he'll be able to catch up to it and chase it down. Um, I think he's a really talented player. I don't know where he's going to go in the draft as far as first round, yeah. maybe second round, but um, just the what he brings to the table, I think he's a very intriguing guy to watch. I was really looking forward to seeing him at the senior ball. It's a shame he couldn't go down. All right, so I'll stick in the Big Ten as well, and I'll take the amazing story from walk-on to leading the nation in Saxon. That's Carl Nassib uh, from Penn State, and certainly anytime you have a story like that, it's great to cherish. Now, He's more of a workman-like player, again, and not a flashy, off-the-edge, bendable type of player, but someone who obviously is willing to study, work hard, and do what it takes to become a better prospect. Uh, a great story I heard was that Bill O'Brien once pretty much laughed at him when he, you know, Nassib said, I'm going to be in the NFL one day, and Bill O'Brien's like, you can't even get on the field. You're not even a scholarship player. You know, when you talk about NFL, well, who knows? Maybe Bill O'Brien will be able to select him in the upcoming draft, but nonetheless, Carl Nassif from Penn State, my second guy to look at of the six edge rushers. Yeah, a Philly guy, too. He was a very intriguing player. We got to see him down at the Senior yeah. Bowl. He was moving people down there. He was. Uh, one guy we did not get to see at the Senior Bowl, though, was uh, this kid from Syracuse, and one of the first underclassmen to throw his hat into the ring and enter the draft was Ron Thompson. Uh, he, com- he comes in at 6'3", 255 pounds, and like Correa, really explosive player, uh, shows the ability to get off the snap and beat tackles right off the ball. And I really was impressed with his motor and with his athleticism. Wasn't asked to drop in coverage, but with his ability to get out of his stance so quickly. I mean, he's able to just blow by offensive tackles. He, play, he made a play against Vidal Alexander when Syracuse hosted LSU. That was just an unbelievable edge rush. He, he push-pulled him, got past him real quick. I mean, it was a very dynamic play. The thing will be with him, can he continue to add strength? Can he improve as a tackler? Can he improve his hand use? 
kind of reminded me a little bit of D Ford. And you remember, I wasn't a huge D Ford yeah. fan because he was getting all this buzz for a t- as a top 20 player, and I, I didn't think he was there yet. But I think that he reminds me of D Ford. And a lot of people aren't really talking about Thompson. If you can get him in the second or third round as opposed to what did Ford, when he went late first, he went 24, Jeez. 25. Yeah. Uh, I think that you can get a really good value. Thompson's a really intriguing player that I think at the very minimum is a sub-package rusher with the ability to be much more. Okay, to round things out here, Alex. Yes, and we've talked a lot about Big Ten guys in this segment. And I'm going to go with a guy formerly of the Big Ten. Wow. He was at Ohio State, had some off-the-field issues. Ends up in Eastern Kentucky, and that's no expense. We saw him down in Mobile. Uh, I think pretty fair to say he was the best edge rusher we saw down there. Uh, Carl Nassib, we just talked about, was very good as well. But just his physical ability, and I know he's got the -the off-the-field issues, and you know that may play into it, but just his overall pass rushing ability can be that guy just beat you off the edge with one move. Um, I think he's probably a mid-first-round pick, if not even rising higher than that. Yeah, he was an outstanding player, and uh, to me, I would say you said he was the best edge rusher. He was one of the best players overall down there, down in Mobile. All right, so speaking of Noah Spence, he is our unofficial visit this week. Alex, was it you who got a chance to catch up with him? Fran. Fran. I snuck one in with him real quick. Look at uh, that. No, it was a good interview. So Fran Duffy and Noah Spence, one-on-one interview. Check it out right here now on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. The unofficial visit. Here now with Eastern Kentucky defensive end Noah Spence. Noah, you're from Harrisburg, PA. I got to ask you first, did you grow up an Eagles fan? Well, I mean, I was born in Philly and um, moved to Harrisburg. All my family's from Philly. And, uh, yeah, I grew up as an Eagles fan. Right. Well, what was, your, what was your favorite moment growing up an Eagles fan? I mean, just when they uh, when Trent Cole and the rest of the D-line started using that uh, four-point stance, like when they were real low on the ground, like looking over at the ball, it was, it was great, man. I started trying to do it in Little League and everything. <laughs> Was that a guy that you watched growing up and you said, oh, I, I want to be like Trent Cole? Yes. All right. What was it about his game that you tried to emulate yourself? Relentless, going hard every play and uh, sacking the quarterback. For those who have yet to see you play, uh, can you give, give a quick scouting report to yourself? Um, set, I'm going to set the edge, chase down anything that I can, and um, pass rush as much as I can. And based off the feedback you've gotten from scouts so far, what's one area of your game you know you want to improve on moving forward? Um, the mental errors. Um, trying to um, play my own thing sometimes and, um, like, leaving my gap open, you know, and uh, trying to make extra plays. Um, that's definitely something I need to prove on. And who would you say is the best player you went up against throughout your career, both at Eastern Kentucky and Ohio State? Uh, uh, I don't know. Everybody's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's pretty good in this uh, level. Has there been uh, one player that's especially been challenging here at the Senior Bowl? Um, no, they're all equal. Yeah. yeah, they're all equal pretty good. All right, well, best of luck. I appreciate the time. On the clock. All right, guys. Well, it is now time for On the Clock. And uh, I know that with my absence, C-Mac stepped in, provided the On the Clock questions last time. Absolutely. I listened to the podcast. Very nicely done, C-Mac. Thank you. I, I got to say. But there are also questions on the podcast about exactly where I was during my week away because, of course, I went down to St. Pete. I went down to Mobile with Fran. And then he came back without me. So I'm going to tell you where I was because I haven't told you guys yet, but I'm going to tell you where I was. Okay. What happened was... I hit the road, did some traveling, and I met some of my friends who just happened to be NFL draft prospects this year. Okay. They told me some things, some pretty interesting things, and I want you guys to tell me if you agree or disagree with what they say. And I'm going to start things off with the guy we just heard from, my good friend Noah Spence. I went down to Richmond, Kentucky, uh, and Noah, my good friend, told me that he will be the first FCS player taken in the draft this year ahead of Carson Wentz. Agree or disagree? Uh, I, I, I got to disagree. Yeah, I saw a mock draft today where uh, Noah Spence was number nine. I think it was a pro football focus one, actually. Okay. It was 20 in that one. No, Wentz was 20. Wentz was, correct. Wentz was correct. 20. Correct. Noah Spence was number nine. Oh, all right. Any way that happens. I mean, you can't say no way, of course. You, you kind of learn by this point not to say there, that it can't happen. But Certainly. I would be very, very surprised if Noah Spence went above Carson Wentz. Again, just going back to the senior bowl and with what Carson Wentz had to prove, it seemed like he put on a show down in Mobile in front of all the personnel execs who said, all right, this guy can play. Doug Peterson spoke highly of him, said that he could play at the next level. So teams, there's plenty of teams who need a quarterback. Eagles could be one of them. I don't see Spence getting ahead of Wentz. Fair enough. Sorry, Noah. It's all right. So after that, I took a, a little trip down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where I met my good friend Nick Saban. We met at the Mobile. He was there he for did. practice. Yeah, fair Became hope. great friends. Yeah. Uh, so I met my friend Nick Saban, who told me that Kenyon Drake will have a better pro career 
than Derrick Henry. Oh. This is, a, I will say, a strong possibility. I, I will say yes on this one. And a comparison for Derrick Henry, which was very intriguing that I heard, was Ron Dane, right. the mm-hmm. former Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, another comparison in terms of the size is Brandon Jacobs. Yep. And you don't see players of that size uh, typically at the running back position anymore. So, obviously, if Henry gets to the right situation, you know, he could have a very good career. But you have to question with, you know, how much Trev's going to be on the tires after being a work, uh, workhorse down there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Drake can offer a lot of positional versatility as a return special as well. So, I, you know, I, I'll put out there, I think there's a chance that could happen. I, I think it's very likely it's a longer career. You know, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think that when you look at Kenyon Drake, and you saw him in person at the Senior Bowl, you get a sense of what he can be at the next level. He can be – he's not going to be a 20-carry a guy feature back, but he's going to be one of those move around the offense as a Swiss Army knife, uh, beat linebackers, beat safeties in one-on-one situations in the past game. He did that in one-on-one drills at the Senior Bowl. I think that Drake can offer a lot of versatility. To me, and I, I'm not sold on Derrick Henry yet as in terms of a long-term feature back at the next level. Obviously, has the power you want, has the ability to hit it between the tackles, but that lack of athleticism is going to be a really big thing. To me, if he busts, He's going to bust hard. Like he, he's going to go, and it'll, it'll be like Trent, Trent Richardson-esque, obviously not being a top-five pick, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, struggling to find his way year two, year three, year four into the league. I'm not saying that'll happen, but if it does, that'll, that'll be the way that it does. I think it's likely, though. I think, I think it's very, very positive. At the very least, it'll be a longer career. Well, Kenyon Drake was my surprise uh, pick to win the MVP of the Senior Bowl. He did score a touchdown, but he did not win MVP. Were you, when he scored the touchdown, with a little, little bit of you uh, rejoice? I got a little rejoice? excited, I got okay. a little excited yes. Wait, whoa, whoa, what was that, Fran? Uh, just a little <laughs> bit of a... <laughs> you forget your video sometimes, so... He was jumping for joy. Should we do the, the running place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so up next, <laughs> I traveled to Waco, Texas, and I met my good friend, Corey Coleman. Okay. He told me that he's going to be the first wide receiver selected in the draft this year, ahead of guys like Laquan Treadwell, who's been projected in the top five. But Corey Coleman thinks he's the best overall receiver this year. I know, I believe it's Josh Norris who has him as his number, like, second or third overall player in this draft class. You know, the group thing at this point is that Laquan Treadwell will be the number one guy, but Corey Coleman, who had that brilliant season for Baylor, you know, I think there's a chance that it could happen, a good chance that it could happen. Certainly the combine is going to be something to watch in terms of what kind of numbers uh, do these guys put up. You know, that's going to be one of the tiebreakers, so to speak, at this point in the process. He, won't, he actually won't even He'll be, be able there to compete, so I'll hurt him. Yeah, so. the, so the, uh, the sports hernia, I think he's got, he's got something. He's got some kind of injury that's going to keep him out. Yeah, so you have to wait until his pro days. Yeah. So if he could put up good numbers, you know, I know you're not as crazy about Treadwell as right. other people are. Yeah. You said you said he developed from. I thought he got last better year. from last year to this year, you know. And Coleman, I have questions about too, but man, he's so physically gifted. And you talk about a guy that can win in the small game and win in the big game, can go up and, and beat defenders at the catch point in those contested situations, but then also just run away from people in the open field. And you know, he's got he's got a ways to go as a, as a route runner, no question. Uh, I think he's got a ways to go in terms of blocking, a lot of nuanced things at the position. I think he's got to continue to refine. But he's so explosive, he's so quick, he's so fast. Uh, he catches the ball really, really well. He uses his hands well at the line of scrimmage to get off press coverage. I mean, he, he's very, very physically gifted. To me, if he go, he, here's who he kind of reminds me of, and it's interesting because they both play for the same team. If you took Deshaun and you paired him with Pierre Garçon and put them together, I think that he's a, a very, very wow. similar version, a guy that – can beat you deep, but then also when he gets the ball in his hands, he's so good after the catch, like a Garcon, where it's a no nonsense, like get downhill and try and run through ball, or run through defenders. Coleman is a really, really talented player. You just love how they line up four wide, and it's just like just go routes down the field. Basketball on turf, exactly. Uh, but he he runs like three or four routes, and he doesn't necessarily run them all that well. You see this; the, he's got great separation, quickness at, at the top of the route, and be able yeah. to pull away. But there's not a lot of nuance there. You talk with Mike Quick and some of the other guys that are around the building all the time that know the wide receiver position. At the NFL level, you have to have some of that nuance. You have to be able to run with good technique, and he's just not there yet. But you could teach that versus a guy who's not as athletically gifted. There's the rub. Okay, maybe he can be a good route runner. So, you know, that's going to be the thing for for teams to have to decide which they would want. So 
So to get all right, so I'll I'll say yes to your question. Coleman over Treadwell. I'm gonna say yeah too, and I, I, right. that's just because I, I'm not a Treadwell guy. So I'm My gonna say yes. Corey's gonna be really happy. Corey's gonna be happy. He's yeah, the first really one. Happy. He's got a he's got a sweeping vote. I'll let him know. Uh, up next, I decided to go to the Pacific Northwest because I hadn't been there. Wanted to see it. Wanted to check it out. So I went to Eugene, Oregon, and I met up with my good friend Vernon Adams, who I met down at the Shrine Game. Right. And Vernon told me that despite his smaller size, yep. despite all the criticisms against him, he's going to sneak into the draft. He's not going to go undrafted. Sixth round, Did seventh you sneak round. In Chicago. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll go. Yeah. He might be in the green room for a while, but there he might go. go. Uh, he will sneak into the draft, and he will be drafted this year. I think we talked with Tony about Boykin earlier. I think that in Boykin here, he said that he'd be surprised if Boykin got drafted. I kind of feel that way about Adams. Had a great week at the East-West. Had a great game at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, it was very, very impressive down there. I, I just find it hard to believe. And I was just watching Braylon Addison, the receiver from Oregon, and it just he had to adjust to a lot of poorly thrown passes. And I know it wasn't always Adams. He, has, you know, he had an injury, a, a finger issue that kept him out for a couple of weeks. I know it affected him early in the season. I, I'll, I'll, in this quarterback class, I have trouble seeing that he's going to get drafted. It's like you don't want to search for the exception. Yeah. You know, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, yes, they are two of the best quarterbacks. Wilson, you know, up there with the elites in the game right now. But even at least those guys are 5'11", right around 6 foot. Adams came in at 5'10", yep. you know, so certainly he's even an inch shorter. Frame, you have questions about. It's a deep quarterback group this year. Yep. You know, there's no... Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston guy, maybe at the very top per se, but there are a number of guys that are going to keep it strong throughout. It's a good depth, you know, good deep quarterback class. You know, I don't think it happens for him. All right, Vern's not going to be too happy about that one, no, but I will let him know. So then, nice trip there. I did. It was beautiful. Great scenery. Good. It was awesome. I, I would have loved to be like, I mean, did you go like clockwise no, around the back, country? I'm making my way back home now. So it came out west. Now I'm on my way back home. Okay. But I took a pit stop in Columbus, Ohio. And I met our good friend, Braxton Miller, okay. who told me that he is going to be a first-round pick mm. this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break his heart. I don't think it will happen. As well Tony as Pauline he, actually said that he's here and that he may slide up that far. I, so. I just, with the receivers that are there and with the talent at some of these other positions, especially if you're saying, again, there's only 31 first-round picks. I was just going to say, there's only 31. There's only 32 this year because New England, yeah. New England probably. <laughs> that, that will be the one that throws it off. So. You, you only have 31. You know, you've got three quarterbacks. It knocks you down to 28. What did Mike Mayock say last week about the defensive linemen? How many defensive tackles are getting first-round grades? Ten. That gets you down to 18. Yeah. You know, how many other receivers are we talking about going up ahead of them? That's not even counting every other position, all those linebackers and the pass rushers and the corners. I mean, I find it hard to believe that Miller will go round one. I'll agree for all those same reasons. So, uh, very talented prospect, plenty of upside, but... For what he brings, I don't know if you could say a first-round pick. For Had a great week and a good, good prospect. I just don't know if he's a first-rounder. And my final stop, I stopped in State College, PA. Okay. Went to the creamery, got some ice cream. And then I saw Fran's really good friend, <laughs> Christian Hackenberg. Mm. And he told me that after his combine performance, he is going to shoot up on the draft boards. See, I don't know if it will be the combine performance. Yeah. But I think that here's what's going to happen is that we're all going to go out to the combine – all the, the draft in, or the, uh, all the NFL insiders and the reporters and everything, all, all the media is going to be there and it's going to be at night and everyone's going to be having a good time out at dinner and at the bar and everything. And everyone's going to be talking and saying, you know, that Hackenberg, he's not going to fall too far. And the writers are going to say, oh, okay, okay. And, all okay. and then all of a sudden it gets passed yes. around. And then so all of a sudden. You're going to start that rumor. I'm, well, I'm not, I don't need to start the rumor. <laughs> I've been saying that for a few weeks. I, I don't think it'll be the workout, but it'll be around that time, I think. All the buzz is going to be started point upwards on Christian Hackenberg. Certainly. I agree. And, you know, Fran has explained it throughout the uh, entire season on the During to Draft podcast that he just has those NFL traits that you want to see in a quarterback. It was just not in the right scheme the last couple of years with James Franklin. Um, you saw him thrive under Bill O'Brien, and obviously everyone's going to say, well, that marriage, uh, you know, be reunited in the NFL, so to speak. But, you know, Tony Pauline's already saying it's not going to fall out of the top 75, so I don't know what rising is going to be, but. You know, if we're looking at second round, that's probably what it's going to take in order to get them. Well, guys, that's where I was. I know you're very curious, but that's how I spent my week off. Did a lot of traveling, met up with some good friends, heard some good things. So in the where in the world was Alex Smith? Did you wear, like, the red hat like Carmen San Diego? I did, yeah. Was it one that Tony Pauline may have given you? <laughs> he gave me a green hat just, uh, okay. just so I could stand out. But uh, 
but yes, that's that's what I was up to. So Very nice. uh, glad I could talk to you guys about uh, about my travels and who I met up with. Yeah. But uh, you got a lot of friends. I do. I do. Popular, I'm a popular guy. guy. Well, you did a lot of networking at the Senior Bowl in Shanghai. Must have helped him out. So uh, you guys are officially off the clock, and with that, I think we'll head into our draft mailbag and close things out. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, our last segment here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA is all about you, the fans. It's our draft mailbag. Thank you so much for sending in your questions on Twitter. First one comes from Joshua Johnson. Wants to know which of these receivers will the Eagles potentially draft? Will Fuller, Taji Sharp, or Kiaris Garrett? I mean, Fuller's the best of the three, yeah. uh, and I would probably put him in that order. I would say it's probably uh, Fuller. Sharp Garrett. Garrett is a big possession type receiver. We saw him down at the Shrine game. Sharp is a guy that was, I think he did a little bit of everything. He did pretty well at both the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. Got added to the Senior Bowl roster. Showed strong hands. Was a good route runner. Fuller is just explosive, man. I mean, he's such an easy runner. Uh, has the ability to get on top of corners quickly. I think the question with him will be his ball skills ultimately, and he had a lot of drops this year. Uh, both contested and uncontested. That'll be the big question, but a guy that certainly can stretch a defense vertically. Yeah, I like Tajay Sharp a lot. Uh, really impressive at the Shrine game. Then he came late after he was a late addition at the Senior Bowl, and he was impressive there as well. So, um, And also with the Eagles, without having a second-round pick, uh, with having needs other positions, I don't think they're going to take a receiver very high this year. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it before. Best player available out. I understand. I mean, learn. I understand, but... What we taught you, Andy. But we've also no. talked about how... Nelson Aguilar was a first-round pick, Certainly. and Jordan Matthews and Josh Huff were in the first three rounds. So, uh, you know, it's, it's how many early picks can you use at one position. So I don't think they're going to take a guy early, and I, I'm, I'm guessing Fuller's going to probably be around that range in the first three rounds. So uh, I think a guy like Tajay Sharp could potentially slide into the mid-rounds, and maybe they go after him there. All right, uh, our friend Frank uh, was also passed on by Wilton Houston, our good friend on Twitter. Uh, what do you think of South Carolina, speaking of wide receivers, Farrell Cooper? For the Eagles. I just watched him recently for the very first time. I hadn't studied him. I knew of him, saw the, the highlights and everything, but watching him, he's a really, really intriguing player. And a lot of people in the media, you know, I know Dane Brugger has used it, Chad Reuter has used it. Mm -hmm. The comparison to Randall Cobb and what he can do as a playmaker, played all over the place for South Carolina. I mean, he lined up at quarterback, he lined up at running back, he lined up in the slot, he lined up out wide, was a returner. He does everything really, really well. He's not really an explosive 4-3 guy. I'll be interested to see what he does run. But he's not a, you know, a Deshaun in terms of explosive straight downhill. But, man, he's so quick. He's, so, he's got such strong hands. He's a good route runner. He's a really good – I mean, to me, he's a, in terms of overall, like most talented players in the draft, he's one of the talent, most talented receivers in the draft class. All right. Next question comes from at AJ Middlemas on Twitter. What's the detailed scouting report on Paxton Lynch? Every, yeah, I mean, we talked about him earlier. Yeah. I think that you talk about the arm strength, it's one of the best in the class. I mean, you talk you Christian Hackenberg, Cardell Jones, and I think that Paxton Lynch belongs right there. I and mean, he's got as strong an arm as you can ask for. Uh, his touchdown field, especially early in the season, was excellent. Showed the ability to drop into a bucket from 40, 50, 55 yards out. Uh, I think that his athleticism is very good. He's got light feet. Still needs to improve his footwork. The big thing with him was when he went to go drive the football, Accuracy and ball placement wasn't always great, uh, so that'll be an issue. I think decision-making was up and down, especially in the second half of the year. When I saw him, you, you mentioned earlier that I saw him in person, Alex. The first half of the year, when I watched him on tape, they, they were a vertical attack, attack the defense vertically offense. I mean, they wanted, they wanted to push the ball downfield. I saw him in person at Temple. The second games I watched in the back end of the year, they were really conservative and didn't want to push the ball downfield. And so I don't know, there could be a number of different reasons for that. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if other receivers or the offensive line got banged up and they were worried about being able to protect him. For whatever reason, he didn't get a chance to really show that arm. They didn't even take the shot. They didn't call the plays to even take the shots downfield. So that, that's the interesting thing. But uh, overall, I mean, that's what it was kind of a mixed bag in terms of overall numbers and performance. But in terms of traits, I mean, he's got a lot of physical traits that you really, really like at the quarterback spot. Will you ask him that at the combine? I might. Sure. I might. I mean, it's, it's something that I noticed for sure, and that's why I was excited to see him in person. But, I mean, watching him, it was, I was just waiting and waiting. I think they took one – they called one pass play that had a receiver go more than, like, 25 yards downfield. I mean, they just didn't – it's not even like, oh, he's just checking down. I mean, they didn't even call plays that would send those receivers deep. So, it was an interesting thing to follow. Uh, getting to the offensive line, Connor at I'm Getting That on Twitter – 
Who are some day two and three O linemen that Eagles fans should get to know? This is wow. the really this is the nitty gritty right here. This is. I think we saw a couple guys. Saw a lot of those guys. Yeah. That, uh, that would probably be in that uh, in that realm. Graham Glasgow is a guy from Michigan. Yeah. From uh, Michigan, play center, can play guard. Um, really talented player. A big guy, six foot six, um, at the center position, but. I think he was really good. I think guys like who else? Joe Dahl, Joe Dahl. from Washington Definitely. was a really interesting prospect. Um, who else was there? Um, Josh Garnett. Josh Garnett is another guy sure. yep, from Stanford. Yeah, sure. I, I think that, and we've talked about this in the past, that interior offensive line group from in, in terms of depth is very, very good. I think there are a lot of different players that you can talk about uh, going in, in all those different, whether it's like second through fifth round. I think there's a lot of talent there that's pretty grouped pretty closely together. Uh, it's a good group overall. And another guy that was really impressive was LaRaven Clark Yeah. from Texas Tech. Yeah, so. If you're looking for a big tackle, he also played guard early in his career. Even though he's gigantic, uh, I think he could play inside as well. All right, so let's go to this question here. It comes from Max at Dos Equis on Twitter. Wants to know, assuming Sam Bradford doesn't come back, okay, go quarterback in the first round, offensive line both third-round picks, wide receiver in the fourth, and one of the fifth-round picks, and then the rest of it defense. What did you just tell me, C-Mac? Best player available. Exactly. So. You can't, go you can't map playing. it out like this. Yeah. But, you can't map it out like this. I mean, if that's how it turned out, great. But you don't I want don't, to go with The Eagles can't go in saying, okay, we're going to have a blank board with QB with first right. pick yeah. and receiver at second pick and defense with the last three. You can't do it. But yeah. if that's how it turned out, great. The thing is, teams do that. I don't know. I don't think they – I mean, maybe they do. Uh, they, yes. I don't know. Yes. I don't know that yes. I, I think it's certain. Do. I think in certain area, they may go in and say, like, hey, look, here's our wish list. We yes. want to be able to get a guy that can play this role on defense, you know, as a, as a third safety. We want to go in and we want to find a sub-package pass rusher. We want to be able to go in and find a starter, left guard. But I don't know that they say, all right, we're taking a guard at, at 13 and, that, and that's it. We're, whoever it is, we're taking a guard well, there. Well, I, I wasn't saying that they do that specifically, but they'll force needs. They'll have needs push the draft board and sure. shape it much differently so that they may miss out on a guy or two because they say we need a starter at X position. Yeah. So. I just meant I guess they didn't go. It's not like they went in with that blank board and said, no, no. here's what we're doing. Just like a laundry list here. Quarterback, check. Now, now you're just taking, check. taking the name and putting it up on the board. I, I don't think it necessarily works that way. All right, so uh, I think that's going to do it for us here. On another edition of the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA. Great to have Alex Smith here. Have the three of us together for the first time this process. Yeah, for Journey. Yeah, for Journey. Absolutely. Indeed. Right. So, so it's good to get everyone together here again. Make sure to rate and comment wherever you listen to our podcast, and make sure to stay tuned. We got the Eagles Insider podcast, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, as well as the Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro dropping each and every week. So make sure to stay tuned for all of our great content. For all the guys here, as well as Brian Thomas behind the scenes, I'm Chris McPherson. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening and watching the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.